On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate your pain? Hello and welcome, you're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we're your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod, or send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Kyle, we're back back on our robo game yeah after uh the last one of us admitting how little we knew about many of the robots in the last bracket i think we're finally here to discuss some that we passed along because we truly believed in them and some that just got a free ride so it's gonna be interesting in how we break them down and who we choose to continue to move on and to help us do just that we've brought back our guest host dana dana welcome back to mouse madness Thank you. Yes. Hello. I'm back. So after last week's, uh, we all admitted that we weren't big Star Wars fans. So we got a lot of those out of the way. We all admitted that, uh, at least Chris and I admitted that we're not huge MCU people as far as the knowledge goes. And in this Elite Eight matchups, there's quite a few uh, of all still existing except for MCU. We still got some, uh, at least two Star Wars existing Heavy on the Wally. Uh, you brought up last episode that you're not surprised and that Wally is pretty great. Are you, what are your thoughts about, especially this first round matchup, coming up here with Wally versus Eve? It was how it was always meant to be. <laughs> it was, right? <laughs> In true Disney fairy tale fashion, they they lived happily ever after until they had a battle. <laughs> For the, the number one in our hearts here on Mouse Madness. All right. Well, before we get started, uh, Chris, I believe that you have a little show and tell to get down on. Absolutely. Kyle, we have kind of like narrowed down our favorite type of Disney merch. We've been doing Shop Disney Roulette a couple of times. And I think it's safe to say our favorite type of Disney merch is obscure ebay merch from disgraced disney things you're a thousand percent correct it's a good fandom to go for we absolutely love disney things that fail spectacularly yeah and um i went on a disney button buying mission on ebay and i got some gems here and i want to share them with y'all here we go so this guy has started when i ordered a light magic shirt <laughs> obviously it obviously. came with a main street electrical parade button and i was oh, like right. this button is sick and i grew up collecting pins like to an extent i had like two lanyards i didn't have like books or anything like that but i loved collecting pins and i got this button and i was like dude buttons are pretty good too because you can fit way more on a button than you can on a pin <laughs> oh so man. I've been I've been out looking for buttons and I've got eight here that I want to share. A few of them came like in combo packs. Uh, something that's common in Disney eBay merch dealing is they'll throw stuff in. They'll just be like, "Yeah, you can just have this too. It's all right. I didn't yep. want it." <laughs> yeah. So um, I'll show you what I got. I want to kind of go from least surprising to most surprising thing here. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> so. 
Um, the first one is very obvious. I mean, this this is what I set out originally to find, and it is a light magic button. Okay, very nice. Huh. Pristine. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Not only is it a pristine light magic button, this is a cast member light magic button that says, ask me about light oh, magic. Okay. <laughs> okay. Wow. I see you. Legit. Which obviously I'm going to be wearing that around and people hopefully will ask me about light magic because that's what I want to talk about at all times. <laughs> If you were wondering if my love for light magic has glowed away since we did the best parades bracket, it has not. Of course not. That stuff still plays in my house every day. <laughs> so uh, with the light magic pin uh, came a combo freebie, and that was the apply today for the Disney credit card. <laughs> Receive 10% off, complete an application, and see a cast member for details. But Because of course it did. Amazing. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm I'm probably not gonna wear this one too much, but um, why not? It's a button. It yeah, it's, it's a button. Unique. Yep. All right. So the next one, <laughs> the next one I got is from an event that I did not attend. It was one that occurred two years before I was born. This is Grad Night 1990 <laughs> at Disneyland, and it's got. Mickey Mouse in like these dope 80s, yes. late 80s, early 90s sunglasses, and he's throwing his cap as high as his dreams, <laughs> and it's in some pretty cool late 80s grad night font. Uh, actually, this is a great, this is a great button. That is a great button. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that one. It's got this color scheme that is like very nostalgic. It's like pink and green and orange. It really gives off like a goofy movie vibes. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what yep. it does. So uh, this next one is a definitely a cast member button. This is a 1991 grand opening of Company D button. Oh, that's when I was born. And if y'all don't know what Company D is, Company D is the cast member only merch location at Disneyland. Oh. So sometimes they'll sell like limited edition cast member things and uh, they're all at Company D. There you go. And I assume they have things besides like merch. Uh, There was a studio store when I worked at Warner Brothers and they have like movies there and like snacks and beverages and anything you might need if like you work on the lot. So I'm sure it's more than just like merch, but... It is kind of funny that like Disney's paying you and it also has a place for you to drop that money right back into their pocket. <laughs> hey man, we work in baseball. It's the same thing. Here's a 30% discount on the team's gear that you work for. <laughs> I don't work for baseball anymore. I can say that. Well, you do that baseball. So speaking of theft, <laughs> this next button is a button that I, I'm sure was worn by like the security team. It says... Loss prevention. It's everyone's job. And it's got Pluto on it, and he's like raising an ear. He's like, Oh my gosh. (laughs) He takes his job very seriously. Yeah, he does. This would be something that like I'd wear to the park if I was trying to be like my own vigilante justice shoplifting enforcer. (laughs) Amazing. Ooh, which one next? All right. Kyle and Dana, are y'all familiar with pogs by any chance? I'm not. I am, yes. I know what they are. So the very first time I remember a trip to Disneyland, 1994. 
While I attended, there was an event happening called the Pog Wild event at Disneyland, and they gave <gasps> away pogs. And I remember growing up and like having these these like <laughs> Disney pogs in my pog collection. So it's amazing. I found a button that says Pog Wild Champ Disneyland. That's so. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> so I was su- I was super young, but I assume they had some type of pogs Holy tournament. Holy cow! And the champs were given these buttons. This one's great. And if that wasn't enough, I also got my hands on a sealed package <laughs> of the pogs they gave away at the <laughs> event in 1994. What? What? I love this. So, like, someone went to the parks, got these free pogs. Held on to them. 26 oh. years ago. <laughs> And they were like, I'm going to keep these, keep them wrapped up. And I bought them for $250. What a steal. What a steal. And mine now. What a, what a return investment. <laughs> this next one is a, another cast member button. Cast dress rehearsal, May 1992 of Fantasmic. Yes. Uh, oh, I love that. Okay. And now we got the last button. Here we go. I'm buckled up. This is one of the more embarrassing things Disney has done. Not like intentionally. Sometimes things happen. Sure. What a start. We work in public facing relations, right? Like you can have things happen that are beyond your control. Yeah. Things happen in the world and you have to like backtrack on things, right? Oh my gosh. What is this? So Disney... When they announced Fantasmic to the public, they had an expression that went along with it to promote the show. Be there when the night ignites. That's right. I remember remember this. Yep. Yep. This was the slogan for Fantasmic until until just about a week before Fantasmic was set to open, the Rodney King riots broke out in Los Angeles. Yep. So. Los Angeles quite literally ignited. Yep, the night. And because of that, Disney ended up having to backtrack on this marketing slogan for Fantasmic. So super interesting piece of almost like canceled or abandoned Disney history here. Ah, so good. So good. What a haul. I'm very excited to rock these uh, when I'm in the parks, when I'm walking around the city. Lots of purples and greens in this hall of buttons. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Chris, that is quite the hall. Indeed. Quite the hall. I love your button collection. I love the randomness of it all. Uh, And that's literally our niche of shopping on Disney anything, specifically eBay, is what's the weirdest thing? And that's what uh, happens with our shop, Disney Roulette. So I'm looking forward to the next one. Maybe I'll get... A, a weird pin from you. Who knows? All right, y'all. It's time to talk about some spoonful of sugar before we get into these robots. So, Kyle, what is in your cup this week? Yeah, I have a beer this week. Uh, it is called the uh, Big Slide IPA from Lake Placid Brewing Co. Uh, this came in a pack of like 10 
beers that were just randomly assorted for me from Bevmo. <laughs> I just got them because they were just like pack of 10 different beers and I just wanted to try something different. So uh, yeah, it's it's just an IPA. I, there's not a whole lot of anything special about it, but figured I'd tone it down from the Lost Boys that I had last time and and get back to something that I can just sip on during this discussion of robots. Chris, what's in your cup? Well, I've got another regional beverage. I'm still here in West Virginia. I've got an Appalachian hard cider. It is from Hawk Knob Brewery, and it is an elderberry-infused dry hard cider. Very interesting. Last week, I had a Unicorn Farts Glittered Sour Ale, and I remarked that it tasted like a cider. And now I have an elderberry-infused cider that tastes like a beer. It's very interesting. It's good, but <laughs> apparently it is eight months aged in a bourbon barrel, and I think that's where it gets some of that like heaviness to it. But it's nice. It's big. Dana, what have you got today? Well, last time I wanted to be fancy and make a cocktail, so I made that ro- robot one, and then I realized I have no other use for grenadine or whiskey, <laughs> so I just made it again. We're resourceful on this podcast. And I still watered it down with seltzer because I still don't really drink liquor. (laughs) Whatever gets the job done, you know? All right. So before we get into our Elite Eight discussion, let's remind everybody of our demographic that chose the original 16 robots. These were folks that purchased droids, uh, the little take-home droid robot guys at Galaxy's Edge at Walt Disney World. Uh, since the West Coast parks are not open, we sent the old interns over in Florida to the Walt Disney World Resort, and they found folks walking around with the the $100 droids. So these people knew their robots. Little did they know they were going to send those pics to people who did not know a whole lot about robots. And we have arrived at an Elite Eight matchup. So let's talk about uh, who they are. Number one, Wally versus number nine, Eve is our first matchup. Head down the bracket. It's number four, Baymax, versus number 12, Bernie. Everybody remember, Bernie's from Wally. Across the bracket, it's number 15, IG 11, versus number seven, Ben. Ben from Treasure Planet, IG 11 from the Mandalorian series. And then to round out our Elite Eight, it is number 14, Rex from Star Tours and Ogus Cantina in the Disney Parks, versus number 11, Carl from Meet the Robinsons. Chris, why don't you go ahead and lead us off with the marquee matchup, Battle of the Lovers. It's number one, Wally, versus number nine, Eve. This is just a heartbreaking matchup because you have two robots with a whole lot of character. Both of these robots are very, very committed to their directive. Wally stands for Waste Allocating Load Lifter Earth Class. Hundreds of years after Wally was programmed, he is still out here on Earth, the king of the trash. <laughs> this dude is living amongst garbage. Yep. And he sets out there every single day looking for more trash. Just looking for more trash. Living amongst and living for. Which also, given how close he lives to his base. That means that there was that much trash in that place that for 700 years, he could still just compact it. I mean, these humans, man. Yeah. I wonder what the furthest distance, the furthest distance he had to go from home base to start, you know? If he's still just a a couple of minutes trip, then 
We really ruined this planet, y'all. We really did. So while I was thinking about this concept of Wally living on this dystopian planet and still like sticking to his directive, I immediately thought of Henry Bemis and Time Enough at Last episode of The Twilight Zone. And we were talking about like, if you were the last man on Earth, why would you just like sleep on your own sofa? Why wouldn't you go find the nicest house you can and just like park there? And Wally just like, nope, this is my little truck. This is my little piece of garbage and I am not moving anywhere because I'm a good robot. Me and Rochi, we kick in it. You could make the argument that he kind of like doesn't stick to the directive by keeping some of the treasures. He's got a Rubik's Cube. He's got a little light bulb. He's got a VHS tape of Hello Dolly that he loves jamming to all the time. But he found that while he was trash compacting. So over the 700 years when he like evolved to be like, what's this? What's this? He was like, oh, Rubik's Cube. That looks cool. And then I won't compact that, but I'll compact the rest of this. He he, like learned how to sort the trash. I wonder if the rest of the Wally units, their function was to just compact everything that was left or if their directive was to also save things that in like a time capsule way where when the the travelers return to earth especially if like the whole thing was like they expected to be back within like what a a 50 year period or something five years five okay so like in five years it was supposed to be a short trip turned into hundreds of years uh but if there was some sort of directive sent to where they needed to keep some things as like a time capsule as like this is what life used to be like and that's what Wally was doing. I'm creating a complete separate storyline to try and justify why Wally would keep that stuff. Uh, I think he just, he, yeah, AI took over and he just liked it. In my personal Wally world, humans are living in harmony with the load lifters. And then the trash just took over and it became like unbearable too much for the load lifters. Yeah. Like they were, you know, on the streets. Okay. Like, you know, wa- the Wallies can clean up the trash for us. And it just, they just like left. They were like, these little robots can stay. We don't care about them. They're just robots. They'll do their thing. Oh, I thought the robots were supposed to be there to clean during the five years. So they're like, all right, we got these robots. They're going to clean it up. Five years later, we'll come back. The trash will be gone. Thanks to these robots. And I don't know what happened to the other Wallies, but something happened. They weren't solar powered. That's the big question. So that's this is what I want to talk about more than anything when it comes to Wally. Where the Wally's at? Somebody tell me where the Wally's at. The most strange thing about this is that Wally is powered by clean energy. Yeah. And this society of people is incredibly wasteful. And they are living a throwaway society. And meanwhile, like, wait, let's power these robots with some nice, clean solar energy. <laughs> what else were they going to do? They were planning on abandoning those fools. Right. Like, they couldn't they charge They couldn't them. change their batteries. Yeah. So they're like, you're just going to have to run on things that we should have been doing this entire time. Get you some sun, boy. Uh, it just seems like they would be like, here, here's like some plutonium or like here's your, your coal powered. <laughs> use some diesel gas to power these little robots. Uh, but I mean, hey, Wally solar powered. Love me some green, some green energy. Good for Wally. It gets interesting 
when Wally decides he wants to cling to the side of a rocket ship and <laughs> and leave his roachy friend and leave his little trash house. Wally's Wally's trash house. <laughs> I'm kind of over here like uh, newest attraction at Disneyland. Wally's trash house. <laughs> Where, yeah, when they build the Wally World land <laughs> Wally's trash house will be a restaurant. <laughs> I just, I'm just not sure I buy like that. This little little guy is all of a sudden like falling in love, and he's been watching Hello Dolly for 300 years. He actually learned it. Yeah, that's that's my whole thing. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, I kind of forgot about that because they what they hold hands in the movie, and he like yeah. sees them holding hands, and so he wants to hold hands too. He thinks this is happiness, this is love, this is how you're supposed to be, and he tries to find that. Yeah. How pure is that? So pure, so pure. It's also that like false nostalgia thing. Like Wally definitely wasn't around when Hello Dolly was like an actual thing, and yet here he is standing over Hello Dolly. It's kind of like literally anything from any time before we were born and we start talking about on this show. <laughs> Me and Mary Poppins. It's literally the same thing. And 101 Dalmatians. But we won't we won't get into that. Hey, well, yeah, let's not. Wally is going up against Eve. We don't spend as much time with Eve, obviously, especially like in the earlier parts. We don't really see her go through like a transformation where she has a directive that she's fulfilling and she decides she no longer wants to fulfill that directive. She finds the plant, sticks it inside of her, goes to sleep, gets woken up, and then basically ends up chasing Wally down to like keep him from being crazy, right? Yeah. Well, he stole the pl- no, he stole the plant, so she's chasing him down cuz he has the plant. What was Wally going to do with that plant? <laughs> Compromise the entire situation. That's confusing to me. At the end of the day, there's really no comparison. It's Wally. Easily. Uh, I like the the discussion of like, one, where are all the other Wally robots? Or are we to assume that Wally built those towers of trash over those hundreds of years by himself? Also, he seems like a fairly clumsy robot. We constantly see him bumping into things, falling down things. How did he put together these skyscraper-sized towers of trash the way that he operates it, that just doesn't make sense to me well we do see some giant wallies on the ship that's right that's right we do so there do. may be some different sizes that like a wally max you know sure yeah for sure also it seems like the other wallies like died because he has all of the parts of the other wallies yeah. tucked away for his own use so like when his eye gets destroyed and he has to swap it out like uh let me just grab cousin earl's eye real quick let me pop that back in oh i'm good to go good to thank you earl wally model seven two one five seven five three two exactly exactly uh it's when we're talking about kind of like robots and function and ai and all of this stuff it's it can start getting a little messy. I think that I'm going to go ahead and accept that as long as they're not like just a program. So like Ultron was like Vision was where 
they kind of went beyond their own physical capabilities and Ultron like took over other robots and made them do things and was more like a virus that AI is fine. I think that in a lot of these scenarios and a lot of these universes, human technology advanced to the point where we can program these robots to learn, you know, things and, and maybe not so much personalities, although that is just a part of Disney in general. Like what is Disney, Disney character builds, they do so through a lot of personality traits. But these robots are also programmed to learn about their environment, much like a Roomba does in your house. Still on the Roomba. Hey, this is the only robot reference I have in the real world, besides push the trash can. (laughs) So in this matchup, it's funny because I don't know how long Eve has existed. I'm assuming that Eve has always been on the ship and taking random trips to Earth, just happened to land in like what we can only assume is New York City uh, and found Wally this one trip. But we don't really know the life experience of Eve and if Eve has ever had these kind of personality changes like she did with uh, Wally. But Wally is so willing to just like abandon plan. You know, like he he sees Eve like he had a directive. He had a function. He knew what he was all about, which was compacting this trash, collecting things, which kind of got him through the day, as we all do. Chris collects giant buttons about defunct light shows. <laughs> Wally compacts trash and hangs out with his roach. And when Eve shows up, he decides that, like, my I no longer need to do this function. I can go ahead and pursue what I want. And when we're when we're thinking about like the best robot, how mad are we as like people who created this robot that he's so willing to just leave his post? Also, they show up to this planet that's definitely not inhabitable. And these these humans would absolutely die. So Wally 2 is just these sausage people not being able to exist on a planet that is definitely uninhabitable. Because the plant came from like a locker or a fridge, right? So, so please. But Eve always had the objective, made it happen. And then once the objective was done, the function was now just to like make sure that Wally didn't kill himself on the Axiom, which he did. Let's all remember. Wally went ahead and got crushed by the, the rising like platform on the ship. So like... In this matchup, I I personally think, oh, also, Wally is, like, the function is to, you know, do this manual labor. Eve is to bring back life at any cost. So Eve is just out here with, like, guns to protect any specimen that she has to, like, bring back. Like, make sure nothing happens to it by, like, shooting down any vegetation robbers that are in space she's ready she's prepared she's equipped and she knows how to use it and she uses it when it's needed uh i don't know i just think that eve is the better like robot when you line it up with just robotness which means to start off the episode dana you have to break up this couple who are you moving on into the next round oh no oh no um yeah, well, it's funny. So I think there's a lot of unanswered questions about their origins, which makes it kind of, like, confusing. <laughs> um, because how long was Eve there scanning and who built her and for what purpose? Because the same way we were saying, like, R2-D2 would be, like, the iPhone 5 and, like, I um, BB-8 would be, like, the iPhone 12 
whatever, like last episode, I feel like that's kind of similar. Like Wally looks like he was built way, way, way before Eve. But no human on that ship is capable of building a robot. Like they are all just mindless zombies. And so like, how did Eve come to be? Who was like, go and search for Earth and our technology is advanced enough to do that, to like build you, to like have that mission. Cause clearly that wasn't, she was not built the five years when they abandoned their plan. Like there had to be more time. Um, so I feel like because of that, I feel like Eve has more unanswered questions for me and Wally, like they give you enough context, enough background information to figure out like, why is he lonely? Like he didn't used to be the only Wally. There's enough evidence of that he used to be the only Wally. Like why does he care about connection? He educated himself through Hello Dolly and like has learned to like programmed himself to learn to want more. It's really, really morbid to think that his other <laughs> pals died and he had to scrap their parts to keep himself going. Like that's going to mess with a robot. <laughs> so I just feel like there's more richness to him that explains his non-robotness. Whereas I feel like they put Eve's non-robotness just to push the storyline. So for that reason, and also I just think he's cuter. (laughs) We just got to go with Wally. All right. Totally fine. Not mad at it. Let's go ahead and move on to the next matchup. It is the number four Baymax versus the number 12 Bernie. These are two very endearing characters in my opinion. Uh, Bernie is hilarious, man. That short is so good. I wish that it was more well-known, more well-known for us to have talked about it on the best Pixar, but I'm glad that we're talking about it now. Okay, so Chris broke down Bernie a little bit last time, uh, him trying to replace this beacon light on the outside of the ship, and he gets trapped outside. It's, it's funny because everything is so automatic automated and, and processed on this ship that if anything were to go wrong systems are screwed and we see that with bernie he's not supposed to be trapped on the outside the doors are supposed to wait for him to come back in but there's also not supposed to be other robots flying around space outside of the ship like why would they even think that would happen so i i guess i get it he uh <laughs> he also has like the sense of there's, there's this very familiar boss-employee relationship between him and the and the robot that's providing the lights where, like, he just wants to do his job. He he seems very confident, like he's done it a million times, knows what has to happen, got distracted out there, like, gets either chopped off by his flame or broken by space dust or whatever it is, floats away. <laughs> and he has to go back asking for another one, and it's... Just that beauty of Pixar storytelling where they're, it's just two robots that literally don't say anything, don't make any noises, just have these LED light eyes and you can see exactly what they're thinking. The robot with the light is like, are you joking? The Bernie is like, I just, please just give me the next one so I can go fix this thing. And even like the robot adds a little resistance when giving Bernie the next light and Bernie has to like rip it away. And at the the last time he gives him a light, he just drops it for Bernie to pick up. It's such a, it's just such a rich 
short that you also are like, wow, this is so funny that all of this was happening while like Wally and Eve were out like falling in love or being in danger of being sucked into a space vacuum. Like Bernie the entire time was just trying to do his job to the very end, right? Like even when the axiom lands on earth, he needs to go turn on that light to fulfill his function. And I think there's a source of pride. You can kind of see it just by how he interacted with that robot that gave him the light. So in like typical, this is the part that makes me a little sad about this short is like then he does it by getting down in like one of the skate pods in a very wily e. Coyote way where the space uh, pod shoots out and then falls straight down, which makes sense, I guess, but it was very exaggerated. He goes, pops the hatch off, turns on the light, and then the hatch breaks the light which is very like Pixar short of them to do where like we've gone on this journey. It finally happens. And then like, boy, oh, and and all in the end, it didn't even matter. But it just felt that part felt just way too, like I said, Looney Tooney for me. But we're not talking about the short. We're talking about Bernie and Bernie's great. And I think that his determination to fulfill the function to do it. He has that Disney personality. He gets the job done. Uh, just everything about him kind of screams what a quintessential inanimate Disney character, you know, without being, without having to speak. On the other side, facing off against uh, Baymax, this is another one where like, this is a Disney, like a very Disney robot to me. We You praise this movie for being great characters. It's a great movie, great story, great moments in it. Uh, even when it's like the heartfelt moment and it's turned around to Baymax and it's just like his robot face just staring back, it's still like very authentically Disney. I like the angle that Baymax is forever trying to also fulfill the function and does at the end as well. This one is in different kind of scenarios, right? Like forever providing care needs to be told. Uh, the care is, what is the line? Like the care is... This care is satisfied. Yeah, he says, are you satisfied with your... Uh, yeah, are you satisfied with your care? Correct, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's his goal, even like as a superhero. Like the goal is to awaken, inflate, solve the problem, be told the problem is solved, deflate and go back to like his little pod. And I don't even think he's told the problem. He just scans you and tells you what the problem is. Right. Right, right, right. But he hears that some that there is a problem, which like activates him, whether it's somebody falling or somebody yelling out in pain. He's being summoned. Issue with uh, Baymax is that he's very easily compromised, unfortunately. You know, like the swapping of the chip is very crucial to how this robot acts. And while that's very robotic of something that can be programmed, is Baymax Baymax when Baymax has a different chip in it like who is Baymax the robot is it when we're talking about like Disney character development is Baymax Baymax when Baymax is healthcare or is Baymax Baymax when Baymax is superhero well also Baymax is like a prototype like the brother never really got to like finish yeah. it or like show it off or anything before you know his unexpected passing that's like one of my favorite things about Baymax and that's how 99% of robots are. They're just created by some guy. And, and then that guy just dies. Yes. they. 
yeah, they have they have issues with them. <laughs> they don't necessarily perform perfectly every time. In addition to like his chip being easily compromised, also like his body being like inflatable is great for like working in a hospital, but like as an action hero, not not great. We see that when his holes get popped and he's like taping them back up. <laughs> <laughs> and that's also like why he has to wear armor. Yeah. And therefore, like, that's not a function of his robotness. That is like an accessory that must be added on. Right. After that. Also, I feel like that's the boy trying to force Baymax into a role he wasn't designed for. It's when we attach speakers to our Roombas. 100%. <laughs> Roomba's not trying to be a DJ. It's what does Tom Haverford call him? Like, party? DJ Roomba. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, to answer your question, Kyle, when I think of Baymax, I think of like healthcare Baymax. And like the one word I would use to describe Baymax is ding dong. He is a ding dong. This dude is so clumsy, so clueless. Perfect example when the little microbots are like attacking them in the warehouse and Baymax is just like, Mm -hmm. and Hero has to like grab him and like run with him. And Baymax just, he just has no idea what's going on. He's shoving him through windows. He's not an action hero. He's, he's a, you know, a health worker. Not that health workers aren't action heroes. They certainly are. (laughs) Saved yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, the the primary focus of Baymax at his root is always care, whether it's superhero Baymax or like healthcare professional Baymax. He's always trying to make sure that the safety of those he is responsible for is taken care of. Bernie is the one track mind. He has to be because he's just he's the most simple of robots just trying to get a job done. So when I think about these two and I think about best Disney robot, I have to go with Baymax. And I have to because of the ability of Baymax's character to stay within the realms of robot, but also exist further as far as like character development and not as far as like developing you know, Baymax doesn't act on necessarily emotion, right? He's there and serving functions of care and he can assess care, but he's also not autonomously deciding wrong from right all the time. He's programmed to decide that. Uh, you don't get that out that that depth out of Bernie, unfortunately. Not to say that Bernie isn't great. So Baymax for me. Yeah, on on the one hand, I really like robots that we don't get too much from because when we get too much time with them, that's when the like cracks start showing. The, the line blurs. Yeah, you. that's when you start being like, okay, like they they almost serve too much purpose. And yeah, I kind of like that they only have a very small assignment, a, a very focused directive, and so I I do really really like that about Bernie. But I think Baymax, you, you really get the best of both worlds. He is. Featured prominently in Big Hero 6, he plays an important part in saving the day and saving our hero, but he also is sticking to his primary directive the entire time. And I totally understand your argument about, like, Kung Fu Baymax, Healthcare Baymax, which one is he? 
as a character? Which one is he as a robot? I think you could take any of these robots on, on this bracket, though. And if you reprogram them, like, who are they? I mean, that's that's part of being a robot. You know, if you crank your Roomba up to 70 miles an hour, is it still a Roomba? Or is it a battle bot? Like, I don't know. I mean, we're going to face that with IG-11 anyways, because he gets reprogrammed from assassin droid to babysitter droid. Absolutely. For now, I am agreeing with you, Kyle. I'm going with Baymax. Dana, do you agree? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, I'm going to save some of my stuff for Baymax in case it comes up later. But um, I, I have some sh- I have feelings about why he's a good robot. He's a good robot. Excellent. Well, let's move on to the other side of the bracket where we've got the number 15 seed IG-11 versus number 7 Ben from Treasure Planet. Ben really skated by last episode. He did. Uh, He was up against K2SO, and Ben advanced basically just because he's a Disney robot. And we had a lot of Star Wars heavy characters over on the right side there, so we thought we owed it to Ben to send him to the next round, and he's meeting IG-11, who is a Star Wars character, who we meet in The Mandalorian. When we first meet him, he is a bounty hunter, sort of, uh, who is programmed to capture this, to the audience, unknown bounty. Uh, He whips out machine guns, and you start shooting around at everyone. He's a crazy killer guy. People getting blowed up everywhere because IG-11 is bad A robot. (laughs) And then he, at one point, threatens to self-destruct in that episode. Yep. Because that is his programming. He must self-destruct it to instead of being captured. Eventually, he doesn't. He makes it to the child, and then he gets blown up again because baby Yod is too powerful. The power of cuteness. Baby Yoda's, baby Yoda's too cute, and the Mandalorian was even supposed to kill the child, and IG-11 was supposed to kill the child, but... Mando saw how cute Baby Yoda is and said, nah, we got to protect this baby at all costs. Baby Yoda's like um, old school, like animatronics, like his little mechs just went like whoop with his ears. And they were like, oh, look at those cute little ears twitching. Can't kill that. Can't kill that. (laughs) Yes. So when we re-meet IG-11, now he's joined forces with Mando and he's got a baby Yoda in a baby Bjorn. Riding a speeder bike, shooting scout troopers, and Baby Yoda is just chilling, <laughs> having a great time. Now, when he first comes back, he serves them tea. That is his first re-entrance. It's like, y'all want some tea? Here you go. Here's some tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> and then turns into into nanny bot. <laughs> so th- and this is a perfect example of like your understanding of the robot changes but its ability to follow directive doesn't change, even though that directive does change. In his final moments, he decides that there is no chance that the crew plus Baby Yode will survive an attack by the Empire. And so he goes and sacrifices himself. Because capture is not an gets option. Up. He sticks to it. Go, it goes full Capture's circle. It goes full circle. And, and he det- so he detonates himself and he saves the day, saves Baby Yode, but not before stroking baby Yoda on the ear and being like mm. I like your animatronics you're cute. <laughs> yeah. I mean we talk we've talked a lot about like robots showing emotion but like that didn't feel like an emotion. It felt like just a funny thing that he thought he had to do. 
right. because it was in his programming. Rare, like, funny moment for me in in Star Wars. Humor doesn't always play in the Star Wars universe for me, but in that moment, uh, I thought it worked really well. Ben's still over here just being pretty unnecessary to to everything. <laughs> I mean, he does have a few pretty key like moments in the plot of Treasure Planet uh, when his ship is restored. He's able to like reveal the booby traps. Yep. That are set for for Jim Hawkins. Yep. Uh, I mean, that's that's great. Good job, Ben. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but but before that, like, if we're gonna say like Baymax is a ding dong, like before he gets his chip, Ben is like a boob. Like, yeah, he keeps oh, yeah. pulling those wires out, and like it's making everything worse. And like, oh, there's no gravity now. Whoops. Or like, oops, I just like set off this like firebomb. Whoops. Like, he makes things worse before he makes things better. Absolutely, and that is why he is not advancing for me. He's just kind of, uh, yeah, like you said, a bumbling boob and IG-11. He's a man, or I guess a robot, with intention. He goes after what he is supposed to do. So I'm advancing him to the next round. Yeah, I like the argument about IG-11 and how, you know... The function can change, but the the ability to stay on directive doesn't. That's very robotic of um. It's very machine like, right? And and these robots are machines. Uh, their programming can give them some personality, but at the end of the day, they're there to serve a function. Um, my Roomba can seem spastic, but its function is to clean the the apartment, right? It's it's programmed to do a certain function. That one was forced. You don't have to keep that one in there. <laughs> Um, so Ben the robot, as I brought up last episode, is supposed to be Ben Gunn. Uh, ben Gunn is a character in Treasure Island. Uh, and Ben Gunn was, uh, just like Ben the robot, essentially discarded by Captain Flint when Captain Flint went a little crazy with power and treasure and marooned uh, Ben Gunn. And so the fact that, like, Ben the robot is this boob and doesn't have his memory and he seems a little like crazy makes sense to the Treasure Island storyline because Ben was marooned and also slightly losing his mind when uh, Jim Hawkins comes around and finds him. So I kind of like those parallels, but Ben Gunn wasn't written as like a comedic relief. He's not that in the movies either. Like the 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 story of Treasure Island is like an epic tale. And Disney's so afraid of epic tales sometimes that they feel the need to add these comic relief characters. And unfortunately, it was this robot. Honestly, thankfully for the movie, I guess it was this robot because we could just not care and just focus on Jim Hawkins. But the movie failed in general. So who's the real winner? Um. Yeah, Chris, you're right. We just don't get a whole lot out of Ben in his movie. We get a ton out of IG-11 from beginning to end. We know what the this robot's deal is. We know the rules that he abides by based on his programming. Uh, and so there's no variation from that. There's He doesn't deviate. He is still programmed to do something, uh, perform a task, and instead of 
kill it is to save but at the end the self-destructing is part of his programming and what makes him a robot so i'm with you dana any sadness for ben as he goes down here in the lead eight no no um i would think kind of like issues like i've had with some of the others of he seems to kind of emote too much like he again has a lot of human emotion for a robot which I guess could maybe bring the argument that we could bring into Wally of the like, what does isolation do to a robot? Because he was isolated. Um, but sure. no, I'm I'm okay with it. I just hope that as he gets chopped, um, his life flashes before his eyes and he remembers dancing with a droid named Lupe. <laughs> Pour one out for Lupe. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next Elite Eight matchup, the final one. It is. Our boy Rex, number 14 from Star Tours. Verse, number 11, Carl from Meet the Robinsons. I'm going to start at Carl. Everybody, I have a question for you. This movie is not very well known, I don't think, in the the Disney community. We don't talk about this movie a whole lot. And I don't think Disney wants us to talk about it a whole lot. When you search Meet the Robinsons on Disney+, and you type in Meet there are three options, and the first two are not Meet the Robinsons. What do you think is the first option that shows up when you search Meet the Robinsons on Disney Plus? Um, uh, I'm gonna say Meerkat Manor. <laughs> that's a that's a a super solid pick. All right, that's Chris's pick. Dana, what do you think are one of the two that come before Meet the Robinsons? on Disney Plus when you search. I feel like it's going to be so, so obscure that it's going to be like some show has like an episode that has like a meet the whatever. So I'm going to go with like some random Disney show and say like even Stevens. Okay. Hey, I love your thought process there. First pick when you search the word meet on Disney Plus is meet the chimps <laughs> which i guess was like a an ape documentary that disney did disney nature did i want to make it very clear i would have rather watched that than meet the robinsons <laughs> oh my gosh and then the second was the obscure even stevens type pick which was a movie called meet the deedles oh no that's paul walker though Paul Walker, yep. And it's one of those goofy kind of like Dumb and Dumber-esque movies um, that I think that I think came over with the Fox acquisition. I don't think this was a like a Buena Vista or whatever Splash their Splash um, movie company was. New Line or whatever. Yeah, they got like, they got spice, like blue, spiky blue hair yeah, or something. Yeah, something really goofy. And then... You get Meet the Robinsons. So Disney doesn't care about this movie, and I don't think we should either. Uh, Carl's rarely in it. Uh, he's kind of like the butler, as we brought up last time. His function is really to serve the Robinson family, it seems like, and be, and be friends and, and like a family member to them. Uh, he serves dinner. He has the functionality to release a ton of, a ton, a ton of tiny yeah. Carl's out of his, like, stomach to help serve he I, I don't know man he helps to rescue lewis from goob goob's the bad guy in this and he can like extend his arms and legs 
however high and however far he wants and so he was he rescued him and went running away with these massive steps with his very long legs he's very anxious like c3po uh he's just way more aggressive about it than c3po is he's constantly questioning and pushing uh folks to do things he can compute questions and 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 problems very quickly has multiple hands that we saw and he gets straight up murked by the evil robot and honestly that robot was a better robot than carl robot was so carl's not even the best robot in his movie no dolores was that the other one the good one the better robot. dolores yep dolores yep oh for sure that that one could have made the bracket i guess Uh, and then across the brackets, it's our it's Rex, the pilot, who's not very good at his job, but at least gets it done, I guess, uh, with the assistance of other robots. Now is just a jukebox at a cantina. Maybe he retired. Yeah, he retired. I think it was one of those forced retires <laughs> where like the company knew you weren't good, and they're like, maybe it's time. They bought out his contract. Yeah, exactly. You're an advisor to the front office, Rex. You're gonna go over and sit in the cantina go play some sweet robot tunes (laughs) yeah go play some remixes of like john williams music won't (laughs) you so in this matchup uh, i don't have a ton of skin in the game uh meet the robinsons was a what i think was a great story ahead of its animation abilities i think there was some potential there they just couldn't execute it how they wanted to Focused way too much on like the 3D aspect of that movie. Rex is a staple of current Disney parkdom uh, with the simulator technology, with this experience with screens and motion and vehicles. Uh, without Rex, we wouldn't have Rise of the Resistance. Rex is just going to move on by default because he was matched up against Carl here. I am pretty done talking about Meet the Robinsons, y'all. <laughs> Good. Uh, so <laughs> I, I'm also going to advance Rex, but I want to say Rex is beloved. Yeah. For being such a terrible pilot. Yeah. And for potentially like killing everyone aboard his little Stark Tours vessel. We like him. We love Rex. Yeah. Doesn't he though like say like it's his first time or something? Like I feel like he like lets you know like. As you're leaving the vehicle, he says something. Well, no, he says it at the beginning. He says, this is probably your first flight, and, ha, well, it's mine, too. Yeah. And then at the end, he says, sorry, it was my first flight, and I'm still getting used to my programming. Yes, Wait, yes, yes. Like, as the shield goes up. Yes, you're so right. He, said, he does say it twice. Got it. Um, Which, the idea that, like, a robot has to get used to their programming, I thought this is what, like, beta beta <laughs> testing was for. <laughs> but, um. <laughs> you're so right yeah we can put it that way <laughs> I want to insert something kind of interesting into this discussion the idea that a Disney robot must fulfill its function perfectly because looking at Disney robots as like sidekick characters I mean we know sidekicks are very like you know bumbly they're very kind of like uh, imperfect and Maybe a good Disney robot isn't one that follows their directive to a T without fail every time. Like maybe they're one who makes a mistake once in a while and is a little bit funny. And, 
you know, we're not talking about best robot who comes from Disney. We're talking about best Disney robot. So I think that's something to think about moving into our final four, but I'm also advancing Rex. Dana, how do we feel about Carl leaving this bracket once and for all? Bye, Carl. Deuces. I wish I didn't know you. Like, I don't I, I, I don't agree that they should have made that movie later. Or maybe they should. I don't know. Because in my mind, I think they probably had a, an idea of a plot or an outline that could have worked. And it went through too many rewrites. And then it just became absurd. And then they were sure. like, maybe we can just save this with some cool 3D. And they just couldn't. Sure. And yeah. Yeah. Carl is just a recycled C-3PO. And he was annoying. So Carl's annoying. So bye, Carl. <laughs> I'm just a big goob stan. I love boy. Goob as Goobie. a kid. As a what? kid. I thought he was great. Oh, as a kid. Okay. All right, y'all. Well, let's move on to our first final four matchup. It is a clash of the titans. Number one, Wally versus number four, Baymax from Big Hero 6. Oh, no. This is the one I was afraid of, y'all. This is... Yeah, they should be top two. I did not want to have to make this decision. On the one hand, we've got Wally, who is so pure he's got these very very expressive eyes that uh make you be able to see his emotion whereas baymax i mean you get this just black beady blank stare when you when you look at baymax uh wally has eyebrows of sorts so you're kind of able to see emotion on his face we've talked about that not so much being a good robot trait robots Tend to be a little bit more like blunt in their in showing their emotions, but it's Disney, it's Pixar. So, Wally, we talked about, sticks to his directive very, very closely through most of the movie and only strays from it when he's taken in a lot of information because his creators aren't around anymore. So, like, what is he supposed to do? Gets the only stimulus that you can find, which is a cassette tape of Hello Dolly. So, Hello Dolly ends up teaching him his new directive, his new normal, and that is seeking companionship, which he finds in Eve. And he chases that companionship so far (laughs) that he ends up in space on a crazy mission on the Axiom. I'm trying to think of some other Wally moments we maybe have not discussed yet. Uh, I found it really funny when Wally was like, unleashed upon the axiom at first and he was like finding his way around and he was he 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 freed all the defunct robots he also is the one that knocked the two people out of their uh little zoom chair things right oh right right, exactly and there's a really funny moment right before he knocks the woman off of her chair i think he knocks her um screen off he like short circuits it or something and he's like trying to get past her and she's like oh excuse me and then he like does the, the little like movie theater shuffle <laughs> past her and yeah. he's, hold, he's holding his hands like he's being really polite <laughs> like those are just like the little pixar details that you know they only they can do right right so as pix so as wally is going throughout this ship he is freeing the people aboard from the monotony he's taking them out of their rut unsticking them from their tracks that they're stuck in 
And that's really like the message of this movie is He's that He's a revolutionary. <laughs> yeah, it's that no matter how technologically advanced we get, nothing is going to beat heart and humility and legitimate human connections and legitimate human experiences, seeing things with your own eyes, feeling things with your own hands and feet. Growing pizza plants. Growing pizza plants. Wally's kind of the vehicle for that, both in the movie and like for us as an audience. So he's an important character, very important. We've talked about Baymax a lot, said almost everything I think we can say about Baymax. Dana, you had something else you wanted to say about him? Oh, sure, yeah. Um, So this is why I think the two should be the top two. Um, Like, no offense to the other two, but they're like the weak teats of like these four. (laughs) Sure, sure. um, So I love that Baymax's um, like healthcare stuff includes mental health. And the way he provides grief work is so within his programming and so pure to a robot. And yet is exactly what hero needs in that moment. And it is to me, the standout scene of this movie. And that is when um, he's trying to like get him to like, you know, like kill the bad guy or something like, like, like go past him. That's like pretty extreme. And Baymax goes, will this help complete your mission of feeling better? And he's like, like in a panic, like he's up to here and all the humans are like, bro, bro, calm down, calm down, calm down. He's like, revenge, 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 revenge. And then Hero's like, will this help you in your mission? Or Baymax is like, will this help you in your mission? And he's like, yes, no, I don't know. And then he's like, I just miss my brother. And he's like, oh, he's here. And just like shows him a video. And like that video is like what switches him over. And like what you were saying of the, like when a robot or when a character in these in Disney movies doesn't know what they're doing, but it ends up being so, so integral. Like that part to me is like the thesis statement of Big Hero 6. Yeah, great observation. I, f- I forgot about that scene. That's why I'm very torn. I love both of them for like, again, emotional reasons. Like they both are just provide vehicles that they shouldn't provide for emotional content. <laughs> yeah. God, that's a great point. Yeah, this one's really hard for me too. I think... At the end of the day, I just kind of have to go with my gut and what I was thinking when I was going through all of these the first time. And that's that I like Baymax better than Wally. So I think I'm sending Baymax to the finals. God, it's tough. Because every time we talk about Wally on this show, I immediately be like, the first thing I'm going to do when we're done recording this is I'm going to go watch Wally. <laughs> because I'm always reminded of just how great not only that movie is, but. What a great character Wally is. How he embodies what it is to be like a robot. He embodies what it is to be a robot that was built, we can kind of assume in the future, but not really built, we can say present day, and then sent off and just has done his its job the entire time. I realized that like, I was claiming all of his like personality stuff to like AI and maybe like his program allows him to learn, which I realize is not the case. The official like Disney site, movie.disney.com or whatever it was, said that 
he's able to have a personality because of a glitch. He has a glitch in his system that allows him to have a personality, which is interesting because then what does that make Eve? Does Eve also have a glitch or is Eve iPhone 12 knowledge level of like AI recognition and how and recognizes behaviors and can adjust to behaviors like that part immediately threw me for a loop because I was like, oh, it's just AI. Because he has that effect on all the robots he meets. Like, it's not just Eve. He also changes Mo. He also, like, kind of changes the, like, defunct robots. Like, like he has that effect on every single being, robot or human he encounters. Correct. Which is, like, does that... Is that a testament to the advancement of technology as this movie has gone along? Like in those 500 years or 700 years that Wally was left, technology developed enough to where these robots can adjust to personalities because they have to interact with humans every single day, right? You can't just have a robot that is going to systematically interact with this blob of a human and not expect different results every single time. So do do are these robots on the ship more advanced AI because they have to deal with humans while Wally was set to do a function and shouldn't have personality, but because of this glitch he does, and maybe that's why he's lasted this long, uh, survived past the others, which just fulfilled their functions until they couldn't anymore. I don't know. It's an interesting, like, we, we're, we've been talking about Star Wars canon. I want some Wally canon, baby. Wally world. Give me all the backstory. Oh, man. <laughs> Immerse me in the Wally universe. Oh, I'd be because so I'm now. <laughs> I'm now very interested. I don't know, man. I'm uh I'm gonna be a little agent of chaos. I kinda no. wanna make Dana <laughs> make this decision. So I'm gonna choose Wally only because I have more belief in like his character uh as a robot and his effect on me as a viewer and that feeling of Disney that I get from him. And the fact that he is there to fulfill the function, but this glitch has changed his programming and he's going to space. And mostly because I want to make Dana make the next decision. <laughs> so mean. <laughs> um, yep. So it's, I, I think it's pretty clear I have a personal bias towards Wally. Um, I would say that's like one of my top five Pixar films. Um, I, it's so underrated. And I remember like walking out of the theater and like just being like, I can't wait to see this again. Um, so, you know, acknowledging that, um, I, when I was struggling with the matchup between Baymax and Mo, I texted my friend and said, like, this is really hard for me. And she said, Baymax, like, she's like, yeah, they're both cute. Baymax, like, he's not only cute, like, you want to, like, hug and cuddle him, but, like, he's just there to help people. And he's the only robot who's just there to help people. And I... I like that that is the idea that his function is to like, how do I heal you? Like he's a healer is very unique to this um, entire, like just robot world. And I definitely think the world needs more healers. So I am very, very torn between like a personal bias of like my environmental message of like, yeah we can grow and evolve and like we should all compost and yeah but also like we should take care of each other and like 
you know, not ignore our symptoms and look at ways that we can like heal and just, you know, how does one piece play into the other piece? And it's, it's so hard. Um, oh my God. Like, cause in some ways I, I feel like Baymax is the better robot. I should say that, but in other ways I'm like picturing myself as a viewer. Like if I was to listen to this podcast and hear the guest say Baymax over Wally, I would text my friend and be like, Wally just got eliminated. And that would be so hard for me. <laughs> hey, welcome to the hot seat. <laughs> so I I really think they should be the top two. <laughs> oh my God. Um I think, oh, also, actually, one thing that's also super special about Wally is he's the only one who gets to have his world evolved. Like, he gets to be taken from his spot and brought to a new spot, and he's the only one who gets that. So, the idea that's like, we're going to take you from this trash world that you've only ever known, this trash world, and then you get to dance through space with a, you know, like a hot, yeah. cool robot. Like, <laughs> I, I like the idea of expanding your knowledge in that way. Doesn't and Baymax end up use... in like an alternate universe or something before, too? Like he does, but doesn't he trap? He traps himself there. Yo, we also haven't even talked about the Big Hero Six series. Oh, I, uh... I don't know what's in that. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, I've never watched it either. That just... <laughs> does seem like something you would know about, Kyle, Mister Ducktales genius over here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <sighs> I just. I, I know I, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I feel like I can't let my personal bias go. I really feel like I can't. <laughs> and I have to just say, like, I want Wally to win, so I, I just have to bring him on, even though I'm, like, kind of knowing it's the wrong choice. I feel like I just have to put Wally. <laughs> we out here. Personal biases. Welcome to uh, when you're in the car and listening and being like, how could the guests choose that? Here you are doing it. Hey, it happens to all of us. Oh, personal I'm bias. Such a hypocrite. Pers- <laughs> it's okay. Welcome <laughs> to the chaos that is mouse madness. And here I was thinking I didn't care about robots <laughs> <laughs> until they're in the finals. Let's talk about who we're gonna send to the finals here. It is number fifteen IG eleven versus number fourteen Rex. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so random. <laughs> yeah, what a random final four matchup. Chris brought up last time, which was a very interesting thought of like, just because the function isn't fulfilled perfectly doesn't mean the function isn't fulfilled successfully, essentially. And he, I mean, you're right for sure. IG-11's function was never fulfilled as it should have, which ideally is like, protect the baby forever, bring it to where the baby needs to go and like also live at the end of it, but gets the job done how he needs to get the job done, which is self-destructing. Rex's function was to safely get this aircraft of commuters or travelers, tourists, whoever are the pa- whoever we are as passengers from A to B and Rex does it, but also the entire time we could all perish. The like weird thing is, is in one case, 
we are in the movie and the other case we are observing and so like the stakes seem so much higher when we're with rex and rex is messing up than when we're with we're watching ig11 on screen and feeling like oh he shouldn't have done that you know like and having no stake in the game so it's really hard to like put yourself in the viewer experience because in one quote unquote your life is at at risk or in danger but in the other you know you're safe on your couch so like harshly you can blame rex for being incompetent and like how does this robot malfunction this much and on the other side ig11 you can be like is he going to flip at any moment we don't know if he's going to revert back to his original assassin programming or not i think in this matchup i'm moving on ig11 only because i don't believe that rex actually did the things that he needed to do as a robot to get us to where we needed to go i believe all of the credit in star tours goes to r2d2 for having a bag of tricks up his sleeve <laughs> and keeping us safe the entire time as rex screams r2d2 our shields and r2d2 is just like god ah, damn, who why am i matched up with this guy why am i the vet and he's the rookie why is this the buddy system <laughs> r2d2 is the real hero of star tours Rex, congratulations on making it to the final four here. Uh, but for me, I, it's over for him. Uh, it's IG-11. Rex is really quirky, which I really like in a Disney robot. But sure, I agree with you. I think IG-11 has to move on here. I think Rex is just too, too all over the place. There's like not performing your directive perfectly and just not being good at all at what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> and that's Rex. So IG-11, I'm advancing to the finals. Dana, farewell words for Rex. I'm proud of you for making this far, buddy. But it is time to get off. Yep. <laughs> and that brings us to the final matchup. It is a one versus 15. Wow. <laughs> Well, I don't know, Chris, if we've ever had, maybe we have, I, this is becoming a, a reoccurring event for me. One, not remembering what we've already done bracket wise and two, not remembering the outcomes of what we've done bracket wise. So maybe we've had a one verse 15 before, uh, but this is definitely the first time in a while that we've had a one seed make it all the way. That's yeah. I've noticed you two tend to favor the underdogs. Mm -hmm. I I think several ones have made it to the finals, but I'm kind of with you. Where <laughs> I'm remembering I'm remembering our first round conversations more than our finals conversations these days. <laughs> but let's go ahead and get into it. This matchup was gonna be really tough for me if we were looking at Baymax versus IG11, but it's got a whole different dynamic now that Wally's in the mix. I want to point out a scene we haven't talked about with IG-11, and that is in the final episode of the first season of Mandalorian. Yeah. We got a second season coming out. Who knows? IG-11 might have somehow survived. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, but, <blow. laughs> um, Mando ends up getting pretty beat up when they're holed up in that 
little I think, I think it's a cantina space right and and the empire's got like a machine gun and they're just destroying them yeah and mando's down for the count and ig11 comes up to him and mando's like do it like i'd rather you do it than some imp he says and he's like you're a hunter and he's like no i'm not i'm a nurse droid and then he goes to lift up mando's helmet and he's like, do it and I'll kill you. No human ever can see my face. And he's like, I'm not a human. He lifts up the mask and IG-11 administers a back to spray. We get to see Pablo Pascal's face. And, uh, you know, we get to see IG-11, like, do his nurse droid thing. I mean, this is like Baymax reincarnated. <laughs> yeah. he, he's got this ability to be a superhero, bad A robot. Baby Bjorn spinning around <laughs> shooting people, but also his weird ice cream cone head. Exactly, but also get down on your level and do the other thing he's supposed to do, and that is help you in a very personal way. And that's the way he goes out, just like Baymax. So to me, I don't see a whole lot of difference between those characters, and I was going to have a really tough time distinguishing between Baymax and IG-11, and now it's clear to me that IG-11 is a better robot than Wally. I am crowning IG-11 the winner over Wally. Holy cow. Holy cow. You said a lot <laughs> right there. You did. I think that was on purpose. You wanted to send me spinning as I entered no, this. No, I mean... We've talked a lot about Wally kind of having to go through this like very rough transition and we have to jump through a lot of mental hoops to be like, oh, it makes sense that Wally like suddenly does this and this and this is his new way of thinking and these are the decisions that he makes now. Okay, well, yeah, I guess there was a glitch or it, maybe it was a bug or maybe he had to relearn because of a VHS tape and like you don't have to worry about any of that with IG-11. He was programmed but one way. But the difference is IG can talk. IG can talk. He gets to put in that all that information whereas the beauty of Wally is none of them talk. So you get to learn through the context clues. So like we aren't pulling, we aren't jumping through hoops to do that. We're watching the movie. We're going on the journey with him. So, I mean, like, you know, what can I say, but you're welcome in terms of, I made it easy for you. But like, I, uh, like, I think you're taking out how cool it is that it's not spoon fed to us. Sure. Whereas IG-11 literally just, he literally states my things to nurse and protect. He literally states like, touch the child and you'll die. Like he states like getting captured is not an option, self-destruct initiated. Like everything that happens, he tells you is going to happen. Yeah. Whereas Wally, you have to read the movie and figure it out for yourself. And I think that that's, those statements are some of the things that I praised at the beginning of this bracket though, with some of the like, straightforward robots like k2so where like they are robots and therefore must state what they're doing because they're programmed to do that i think you have a, a very very valid point with like the audience participation in watching these films right or, or a show in one hand and the film in the other where it's much more of a journey for the audience to have to infer what the robot is thinking in wally as opposed to 
uh, IG-11 who is like stating it, but I think that the functionality of both of those robots is different. Like Wally wasn't made to talk to humans or talk at all because it didn't have to. Because theoretically, Wally would pack up the trash, disintegrate, humans would come back because Eve would come down and find the, the vegetation and we would never even have to think about Wally again. So it's almost like, and maybe they did and maybe they didn't. Like, maybe I'm giving Pixar too much credit for thinking that far ahead of like, well, Wally wouldn't talk because the humans wouldn't program him because he wouldn't have human contact. Right. You know? There's there's no reason for him to talk. Yeah. Like, he, he wouldn't talk because there's no reason for exactly. him to. Exactly. So he's still a good robot. He is a good robot. That's why he's in the finals. And IG-11 has to interact with other organisms and lifelines and and that's what makes r2d2 so interesting and other robots that don't speak in the star wars universe because why not if the others could you know like if i don't i don't know we we've grown into this like we have these ai devices in our homes like google and alexa shoot man Hey, shoot. Yeah, your, your beloved Roomba. Hey, shoot. If I could scream, hey, Roomba, clean up the living room, I would. <laughs> Roomba is to R2-D2 as my Google Home Mini is to IG-11. <laughs> I don't know how those timelines match up. All right. Uh, so, yes, I get your point with like the, the audience participation. I think that the scenarios are slightly different, which is what makes this so difficult is like what is the best disney robot like what is the best disney experience i do think that only like not wally isn't disney just because wally is pixar i think ig11 has a very disney sidekick arc where like it's this character that we've counted out at the at the beginning that comes back and redeems itself and fulfills its either promise or you know it was a a sidekick of contention throughout the story which you do see in disney stories it's kind of like peter pan and tinkerbell right like there's this point of contention throughout the entire movie until tink turns and then saves wendy and that's an awful example because peter pan's low-key trash but (laughs) Like, it's the same kind of Disney story arc with these sidekick characters. Wally's now our focus. So we have to look at him in this main character arc. And the the fact that may have thrown all of this off for me when we're talking about Wally and we're talking about IG-11 is that we couldn't just acknowledge the development and technology and had to cop out to a glitch in Wally. That's so disappointing to me. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I buy like I, I get it's stated on the website, but like I still think if you take a rope I think if you take anything and give it seven hundred years, it's gonna be different. Yes. Yes. And I completely agree with you. And so I'm now at the burden of me doing research to where like the official site says that it was a glitch and it's so annoying. They were so into glitches in like the late aughts with that and then Wreck-It Ralph and like they're just like, oh, they can't have their own personalities. Must be a glitch. <laughs> Stop. Um, Yeah, I don't. This is 
crazy. This is craziness, man. This is craziness. I'm uh, agreeing with you, Chris. I'm counting. <laughs> Listen. Oh, my goodness. And, and I want to say one more thing about this. I understand how you can say Star Wars, not Disney. But the Mandalorian is the proudest, proudest creation of Disney+. Plus. And so anything that comes from that is 100% Disney in my eyes. I agree. I agree. So, as I was going to say, I crown IG-11 the best Disney robot. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle, non-Star Wars Skinner, just crowned a Star Wars character, the best Disney something. And as we do at the end of every single bracket, we are going to clap it out. Dana, I broke hearts. <laughs> I knew that I would because I knew how much you loved Wally, and it wasn't because you loved that I choose chose that way. Uh, I just felt it in my heart that I needed to make IG eleven. What do you have to say? What would have been your argument for for Wally? Let the people know. So I'm a dance movement therapist, so I'm actually very, very trained in body language and nonverbal communication. And I think the idea that you could build an entire movie around that and have it have such a wide reach and be so touching is just undervalued, like completely undervalued. And it's like, we lost that. Like that used to be the norm. It used to have this idea of like, the spoken word wasn't the most important thing. And somehow we got so distorted to that, that like you have to clearly outline what is or is not an appropriate hug. Whereas like that wouldn't have happened years ago. Like that's how distorted we got with being that in touch with like ourselves and being able to read others. And the idea that you can take just robots and tell that story with robots without them ever needing to like spoon feed it to you is so magical and so touching. And I just, I'm just really, really sad that that's still just not being honored. <sighs> and it's not that, and I'm not going to like, I'm not going to pull the Disney birds guy on you and like flip out or whatever. Like, I'm, I'm okay with this. <laughs> yeah, screw that guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that one's your brother? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like, you know, like, I, I, these are just movies at the end of the day. Like, it's okay. Like, I'm not that emotionally invested. Like, you picking this one doesn't change my opinion that Wally's better. Like, it's fine. Um, it's just disheartening to know that what I so strongly believe in just still is not seen. Yeah. Chris, we have to keep that in. So first of all, don't feel like you can't <laughs> you can't preach the, your own truth on this show. So thank you for doing so. And you bring up great points. I, I agree with you. And we preached about it on the best uh, Disney Pixar short bracket. We preached about like nonverbal cues and how important that was to Pixar's entire storytelling process and why Pixar are so elite in the storytelling like realm is because they're able to take these non-human life forms or inanimate objects and give them the feeling of life through movement so you're right uh, your your points are completely valid and it's you just fell victim to the madness that is this podcast so uh thank you for speaking your truth and i'm sure that people are going to connect to that because that's what we're all about we want to bring in other perspectives and you brought that so we love it yeah thank you this was fun <laughs>
All right, y'all. Well, that does it for another Mouse Madness Bracket. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much again, Dana, for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Seriously. I literally was questioning as I was saying in the emails, like, is this a weird email to send? But uh, it worked out. (laughs) Hey, there is no such thing. So if any of y'all ever want to get a hold of us, you can send us an email at mousemaddestpodcast.gmail.com if you've got something to say about this. you got problems with Wally going down in the finals. you got problems with a 15 seed winning a bracket. If you want to co-host an episode yourself, got some bracket ideas, please let us know. You can also hit us up on Twitter at mousemaddestpod. You can join our Facebook group or our Discord server, which are both linked in the description of this podcast. Till next time, folks. I must self-destruct. <laughs> <laughs>